0: So now I just pray, that you impart the gift of wisdom into to Alex. Lord, may you speak from your very heart. Help us to be attentive, Lord. Help us have our minds not to, to wander astray. Help us catch the vision and the promises that you have for us. In your mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Johnny. Let me. Also warmly welcome you to church this morning, especially if you're new or visiting. Uh, if I've not made, my name's Alex. I'm one of the ministers here. Um, to, this morning is a fantastic morning to be at church. It's always a great, great morning to be at church. But 49 weeks of the year, 49 weeks of the year, uh, we focus on our living out there. So we come to church. We're fed, we're fueled, that's the goal, to send us into the week ahead to live our lives as best we possibly can in our scattered living, at home, facing redundancy, challenging relationships, in the workplace, health that's struggling. Whatever your situation might be, whether you would label yourself a Christian or not, 49 weeks of the year, uh, our prayer, our goal is you come to church and you leave fueled and fed, ready to live your life for Jesus. But three weeks of the year, have I done the maths right? Someone's counting, aren't you? There's always someone. I have done the maths right, even in a leap year. Three weeks of the year, we focus not on our individual living for Jesus, if you like, but our, our corporate vision of what God might have in mind for us as a church. So in September, January, and May each year, we have one week where we say, actually, actually, there is an amazing thing that goes on when you are church. Even if this is your very first Sunday, even if you wouldn't necessarily say you've yet learned what it means to trust Jesus, that's still in your future, and it could be today that you take that step, but it's it's not quite yet. Actually, together, there are some wonderful, purposeful things that Jesus has in mind for us as a church. And this is one of those Sundays that we're hoping, I'm hoping, representing, if you like, the leadership of the church, you're representing the church together, I'm hoping that we might get a glimpse of what God has in mind for 2017. Does that make sense? What does God have in mind for 2017 for us together as, as a church, or, or one of the six congregations that make up our church, so the other congregations this week will also get this kind of talk or, or input that's going ahead. But I want to start with a, a story of a chap called uh, Privas. This was wonderful. About uh, three weeks ago, um, I got asked to speak at a Christian unity event at Staffordshire University. So as some of you know, I, I speak about twice a month at different universities, midweek and evenings to the Christian unions or in faculties and this kind of stuff. And they hosted a a unified Christian event. So there was five different Christian groups. Uh, There was the Keele University Chaplaincy, the Keele University Christian Union, the Staffordshire University Chaplaincy, the Staffordshire University Christian Union, and the Staffordshire University RCCG Christian Union. There they all were. These five groups got together. Mick the Vic, who some of us will know, who's the Staff University Chaplain, he'd organised this, this great event and they'd asked if I'd come along to speak at it. What a great privilege that was. And so I was speaking at this, this event and it was done brilliantly. RCCG, uh, the uh, Redeemed Christian Church of God, Christian Union, have a professional gospel choir. And they were singing and leading the worship and they were absolutely uh, amazing. It was just, it was fantastic. Uh, praise and, and worship. And then I got up to speak, and that was brilliant. That was uh, 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 a great thing to do and a, a brilliant environment. It transpired, this guy Prevas was walking from his five-a-side football game that he'd been playing across campus, and heard this wonderful singing. It was the 12th of December. Thought it was a carol service. And so peered through um, the window of the venue, and was seen by a little cluster of uh, young ladies who were standing at the back, who were part of this group. And they went out and they beckoned him in. And of course, if you're 21 years old uh, at university, you get beckoned in by a cluster of young ladies. What are you going to say? So any pain, any came. Just as I began to speak, isn't that amazing? And I, I, I could see this little cluster at the back. I could see things going on, and then I saw some praying going on. I didn't really know what was happening, and I just kept going and kept going. That's what preachers have to do. All sorts of things happen out there. I see, I see the sweets get passed. I see it all, and you just got to keep going. So I'm keeping going. What's amazing? This guy's really going to come a Christian. He becomes a Christian. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that amazing? An amazing thing. Originally from Madagascar, brought up in France, is studying in Stoke for a couple of years' time. Amazing. From no kind of Christian heritage, no kind of Christian background. Walks in because he thinks his Carol's been singing and some pretty girls invited him in. And he meets Jesus. Wow! What happened? What actually happened at that moment? What really happened at that moment? Here it is, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. Um, if you want to know where we're going this morning, we've done you a handout. You can find that and follow it. It's got everything you need to know there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. For the God who says, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to reveal to us the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Let me say that again because you're all finding your sheets, which is, which is excellent. So you didn't hear what I said, so this is what I said, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6, oh it's becoming a memory verse, it's like I'm with my children, right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6, for the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to reveal to us the glory of God that is in the face of Jesus. Quick pop quiz for any of you who are familiar with the Bible, not all of us are. Where has God said, Let light shine out of darkness? That's how that sentence begins. So the, the God who said, quotes, let light shine out of darkness, where is it? It's a real question. Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. When there was nothing, God looked on nothing. And he says, I want something. God spoke and said, Let light shine out of darkness. And Paul, who writes out 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, he says every time someone looks at Jesus and sees, not a mythical figure, not a fantasy or fairy tale, not a made-up legend, but sees the glory of God, the essence, the splendor, the reality of God. You look at Jesus and you see God. What has happened? That same creative power that made the universe has just penetrated your heart. Prias walked into that room because he took a fancy to a young lady who beckoned to him. And God said, BAM, your mind! Your mind! And a universe was created in that moment. Now, not all of us in this room, I am so excited! Right, not all of us in this room right now trusting Jesus. I know that, I know that. But let's say there's a hundred of us in this room and the kids out the back there believing in Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means in this space right now, there is the power equivalent to a hundred universes being created in this room right now, if in your heart, your soul, you can genuinely authentically say, yeah, I'm trusting Jesus, it's hard, I don't always know what it means, I make mistakes and I mess it up, but yes, yes, I'm trusting Jesus, boom, the universe, the universe created in your heart, isn't that amazing? Now everything else I say this morning about plans, strategies, prayers, what we think God has opened up for us, what we feel might be right, everything, everything submits and bows to that one reality. We want boys and girls, men and women, grandparents, single people, married people, divorced people of every language and ethnicity, of every weight, of every size, of every shape. To go, I believe in Jesus. Because God has said, in your heart, I've just shone the light. In your heart, I've just created the universe. And you look at Jesus and you see what? The glory of God. Let me say the verse again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For the God who said, let light shine into the darkness, has shone into your heart to reveal to you the glory of God in the face of Jesus that is what God did to you do you know he did it to you when seven years old you sat on your mother's knee and you said I'd like to trust Jesus and with a tear in her eyes, she prayed for you boom that's what God did when at 16 years old listening to a talk in your youth group you decided actually you'd go for it with a couple of the other lads, and together you'd get yourself baptized boom that's what happened the baptisms last year, I can't remember how many, what, 20-something, I can't remember last year, every one of those people we saw baptised, boom, the universe created. Whatever your backstory, that is what God has done to you. Boom, boom, boom. Forgot what comes next. (laughs) Okay. So what is our vision? How do we position ourselves in 2017? What do we think God is calling us to be as a church in 2017, to be used by God to see that happen in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people's lives? Now, if you've got a Bible there, or it's printed at the top left of this sheet, I wonder if you turn to Acts chapter 14 with me quickly. Acts chapter 14. This is on page 1,109 in one of the church's Bibles, page 1,109. Acts chapter 14, uh, sentences 21 to 23. If you've got good eyes, you can see it on the handout in that top left corner. No church needs a strategy document because the strategy document already exists. It's called Acts. God has written it for us. And in Acts, there are three main strategies, purposes, things a church exists to do. And in Acts chapter 14, 21 to 23, it's one of the many places in Acts that's distilled for us. First, to reach people. Reach people. Look at sentence 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. The first thing that the church is about doing is reaching people with the great good news of Jesus by proclaiming (coughs) Jesus to them. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. People who haven't heard about him, aren't persuaded of him, aren't convinced of him. Some of us in this room right now, that's us. My job, our job, lovingly, gently, persuasively, intelligently, rationally, generously, sacrificially, to present Jesus to as many people as we possibly can, and God will do the rest. First strategy, reach people. Second strategy, grow disciples. Look how it continues. Then they return to Lystra, Icodium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they say. So do you see, first, reach people. They come to trust in Jesus. They're one to Jesus, the language of sentence 21. But it doesn't stop there. When you, when you trust Jesus, that is not the end, that is not the goal, that is not the finish line, it is the beginning, it is the start. And then you grow to become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Uh, Jeff Love, wonderfully wise Jeff Lugg, a few weeks ago said to me, uh, a group of us, there's no such thing as a mature Christian, only maturing Christians. And he's absolutely right, isn't he? We grow and develop and are strengthened and encouraged. And then the third strategy, sentence 23, is catalyse churches. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. So reach people, they become Christians, grow them as disciples and then form them, make them into a church with the structures and the like that mean they can reach more people and disciple more people. So every single church in this town, in our nation, and in the world, this is it. It's really simple. Being a church leader is about the simplest thing there is in the world. Reach people, grow disciples, plant churches. Reach people, grow disciples, plant churches. That's it. Just keep doing it. In fact, if you look at sentences 24 and 25, that's exactly what they keep doing. It says, after going through, uh, I don't think in public I should try and pronounce that word, Uh, They came into Pamphylia. when they had preached the Gospel in Perga, they went down to Attilia. The point is, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again, do you see? Go somewhere, tell people about Jesus, grow them as disciples, form them into the church, leave, go to the next place. Reach people for Jesus, grow them as disciples, form a church, next place. Um, Just an aside, did you get any of those Christmas presents? If you've got grandkids or children, you almost certainly did, Uh, with very complicated instructions. Um, But after about step six, it says repeat steps one to six, 500 times. Yeah? Do do you know the toys like that? Just keep doing the same thing. That's exactly what, what church strategy is. Go somewhere, reach people, grow them as disciples, make a church, start again. Repeat steps one to three. Reach people, grow disciples, plant a church. Repeat steps one to three. Reach people, grow disciples, plant a church. And on and on it goes. So what does that mean for us in 2017. So let's try and narrow it down. Now, on the little handout, I've made a distinction, if you can see it there, uh, between plan and pray. (coughs) Now, I immediately recognise that is a false distinction. We should always be praying, and we also need to be planning all the time. So in many ways, it's it's not sophisticated enough uh, for a proper kind of understanding of this. But I think it's quite helpful. Plan are the things that we feel God has opened up the door, and there to be birthed in 2017. And pray are the things that we feel God is calling us to pray into to see conceived, and possibly birthed in 2018. Does that make sense? So plan are the things that we've reached the point where we feel God is saying, right, you need to birth these things. You need to be midwives and you need to bring them into birth. And pray are the things that for whatever reason we feel God is saying, right, these are things I want to conceive this year, but they're going to be birthed in 2018. Now, my discovery of the last few years is God brings what I would say are premature births about all the time. So there's been any number of occasions where I've said things like, or we as leaders have said things like, well, we think this is, God will reach this point in 2019, in and then God has done it in 2017. So one of them, for example, is, as I'll talk about in a moment, is, is Kevin and Wendy on Marsden Grange, that the weekly meeting on Marsden Grange will start later this month. How amazing is that? Now, I thought it was an audacious goal to aim for January 2018. So I thought that was a 2018 birth, and about six, eight weeks ago, Kevin came and told me, actually, God's birthing it a year early. It's happening in January. Does that make sense? So what I'm kind of saying is, if I've got this wrong, I've already told you that. Yeah? So, yeah? So here are the, the things. Um, high fields. So let me give you the, the context. Uh, April last year, a Thursday... Evening group started meeting in the oxleathers pub on Highfields. It um, was a year-plus journey prior to that, but it started meeting on a Thursday evening, week in, week out. That's gradually grown and swelled, and it's quite a sustainable and a, a good-sized group. Their mission to reach the Highfields estate on the other side of Stafford, four thousand two hundred houses. Um, four out of the ten government, four out of the nine main government markers have Highfields as in the worst ten percent of the country in terms of social deprivation. And the life, but it's a very mixed kind of dynamic. No uh, corporate church on the whole estate in a kind of functioning manner. Lots of Christians, but no kind of fun. Loads of fantastic work, time post centre, fantastic, fantastic Christian work. Lots of uh, uh, kind of uh, steps that God has taken, and it, but no kind of real, vibrant, impacting uh, gospel presence there. And Castle Church, which is near to it, and Risenbrook Baptist Church, which is near to Risenbrook Methodist Church, and us have had all sorts of conversations about how to reach this estate. And in April, uh, at the Oxleners pub, a group called SIR began meeting in April. End of this month, they begin a monthly Sunday gathering. How amazing is that? That's what God is birthing this year. We're planning to see that, that happen. Sunday afternoon... What are we planning for Sunday afternoon is another big evolution of Sunday afternoon service. So again, Sunday afternoon, we began that meeting April uh, 23rd, I think it was, but April last, last year, April 2016. That's only met in turn time. So though it's about eight months old, it's only met 22 times. Now, this was a moment yesterday, and I only realised after yesterday just what a moment it was for me. We had the first meeting of a kind of informal steering group the afternoon service in our house yesterday uh, afternoon with the kids and stuff, it was 22 people there. Significantly bigger. That leadership group, that steering group, 22 meetings in, was significantly bigger than the first two months of the entire group that met back in April and May. You, do you see what I'm saying there? Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that amazing to see what God has done there? So that's meant those numbers on a Sunday afternoon have grown to a point that we need to reimagine and evolve exactly how we do things, um, and that's going to be rolled out over the next few months. Now, the next two are much more significant. Marsden Grange, I've already alluded to, but Marsden Grange and Sunday morning are brand new congregations. So on Highfields, that's just an evolution of what's existing, a big evolutionary step, but already existed as a congregation. Sunday afternoon, a big evolutionary step, but already existed as a congregation. Marsden Grange is God planting a church. Let me just say that again. I need much more of a better reaction than that. Okay? Marsden Grange is God actually planting a church. Hooray! Hooray! I think that's absolutely amazing. And, and Kevin and Wendy, uh, I, I mean, it's God's work, but just publicly, Kevin and Wendy, they only arrived on July 14th, um, and that is remarkable to see their commitment and hard work and God's absolute anointing on their commitment as they've strenuously worked with all the energy that God has given them. And it's not been a small kind of eight, nine months for you guys, has it? Because not only have you moved house, sold a house, had first grandchild, married off the final of the three children uh, when he's had a bit of surgery thrown in there and all the rest of it. No wonder Kevin's going skiing next week. Um, uh, but but remarkable to see what God has done. And very genuinely, I remember sitting down with Kevin around July time I think it was just before the summer, maybe just after I can't remember, and we set some, some kind of ambitious prayer goals for that that mission on Marsden Grange. And and Kevin said to me, yeah, yeah, no, definitely by December 2017, ready for January 2018, we'll have a weekly gathering. And on the outside, I'm going to Kevin, yes, Kevin, great, great. Encourage, Kevin, encourage. Inside, I'm going, joking, you know, won't happen that quick. Man of little faith here, man of great faith, man of little faith. yeah, Um, Because God has done it. God has done it. He's done it. Tuesday evenings, that group starts. Reach people, grow disciples, plant church. Reach people, grow disciples, plant church. And then the other thing we're planning for is um, Sunday morning. So we've, this morning you've seen we've now expanded the seating to the absolute capacity that we can fit in this room. We've lost all the coffee tables and that sort of thing. It's, it's all gone. The children are crammed in the rafters and all the rest of it. But I, I just want to be abundantly clear. It is not, we are not moving to two Sunday morning services simply because of space. That is not why we are doing it. The reason we are committed to two Sunday morning services is because we feel God is reaching people through this gathering and we want more space for people to be reached. And we want to better love one another and we've reached a size, a number of people in, in, in this space where we can't love people in the way that we wanted. Our rela- relationships are a bit too straight. Does that make sense? So yes, there is a space issue. We can't fit that many more people, people in. But actually it's much deeper than that it's much much more deeper than that we want to love each other much better than we've been able to do for about 12 months now love each other much much better than we've been able to do for about 12 months and we want more space to reach more people i am getting frustrated with emails on a monday morning uh, from people who for whatever reason are running a bit late and they, they they come into the car park and they leave without entering the building because they haven't found space you know it breaks my heart it breaks my heart so probably Um, sometime just after uh, Easter, April 23rd, I think is that first Sunday after Easter, we'll start playing around with replicating two services. They'll both have children's work, they'll both be a very similar um, style uh, and shape. Um, they'll both be very accessible for families and for everyone. One of them will probably be about 9.30ish. One of them will probably be about 11.15ish, something like that. There'll be a nice connection spacing between the two for people to touch base if you are going to different services. Create lots more space to win more people for Jesus and reduce our numbers so we could love one another better. Does that make sense? I know. But God has done another thing there, hasn't he? He's planted another one. He's saying, come on, come on. Come and meet Jesus through Beacon Church. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Now, lots of us will be thinking different things. Some of us will be thinking about the loft insulation and do we need to replace it because the weather's changed and some of us are thinking about lunch. But some of the more spiritual ones around us are thinking about other things, okay? And one of the, one of the things you might be thinking about is, is, is Alex, this is God's work and I hope I keep emphasising that. This, 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 Jesus hasn't promised to do this. It is Jesus' work and if he stops tomorrow, he stops tomorrow and we give him the glory and we give him the praise. This is not man's work at all. But, wisdom says, plan. Wisdom says, follow Jesus, keep in step with his spirit, uh, and plan, and make plans. Um, so if you're, if you're a gardener, you might be thinking, well, it's like a vine that's, that's just, you know, it exploding, it's just growing, and that's amazing. What about the trellis? You need a trellis behind it to support it. And that's absolutely right. So there are a couple of trellis things that we'll be doing over the next couple of months. One is we have Chrissy Rendsburg, who uh, is actually someone Hannah and I know from our time in Shanghai. She's American. She's just finished three years post-grad studies back in America at Fuller Seminary in church growth and church structuring. And she's very kindly going to join us for two months um, through February and March. She arrives January 24th. Uh, for two months, she'll do all sorts of different things. She'll, you'll meet her on a Sunday, she'll do some preaching and, and, and lots of kind of general stuff like that. But her main role will be to help us think through how do we design a trellis to do this. So we are six congregations now. By the end of this year, we're planning to be eight or nine. And by the end of 2018, I think we'll be around a dozen. So, so how, do we, how do we have a trellis? That supports that that every single individual is loved and cared for and embraced and connected that there's there's potent preaching and evangelism and witness going on um that, that every um, uh, that god is given the glory in absolutely everything and it never becomes something which is just a clever organization how do we structure ourselves to do that well does that make sense so Chr- Chrissy's kind of bringing her expertise in to help us with that And then the other thing we're going to do is is, is start to create informal steering groups for these congregations. They kind of already exist informally. We had the meeting for Sunday afternoon, uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, Kind of temporary steering groups, just to help us start to navigate some of these challenges and put the trellis in place. Does that all kind of make sense? So I hope you're you're really enthusiastic. I hope there's also a nice um, wedge of, of realism all the teenagers obviously, obviously got um, uh, What about pray? Now these are things that we're praying that this year God might um, conceive. So, so God's done something over the last 12 months. Um, if, you, if you put it into, into the analogy of conception of birth, then the 12 months prior to conception, there's been a bit of wooing going on, a bit of connecting, a bit of uh, the right people meeting. Um, and then this year, I think things are going to be conceived. And then next year, they might be birthed. So what are those things? They're, they're listed on the right-hand side here. I've put Staffordshire University. Um, so this is a remarkable story of God's providence. And, it, and it's fair to say almost everything that we've experienced over the last two or three years has been God's providence, not our planning. <laughs> what I mean by providence is, is things unplanned by us, but steered by God to achieve his purposes. And this is a a great example of of that. Um, As many of you know, I I have the privilege of speaking in the different universities, uh, Christian unions and the like, and chaplaincies and faculties over the last couple of years. Um, And that's built some relationships, but three unconnected conversations within the space of a few weeks. One from a big Anglican church right by Staffordshire University up in Stoke. Uh, about would we partner with them about planting some kind of student-orientated service. Um, Second to that was Mick, the chaplain at Staffordshire University, uh, approaching us and saying, as chaplain, he wants to start a worshipping community and would like to do that uh, in partnership with us as a church and has some substantial funding that he'd happily uh, give to us to to see that occur. And then separate Mm -hmm. to that, was a conversation with a, a small baptist church uh, which is struggling in its numbers and is struggling in its mission and approaching us to talk about a partnership or even emerging uh, where they might become part of the beacon and and see their congregation rejuvenated by god perhaps through that partnership and that, and yet that church building is located right in the heart of where all the student rental property is and it's about a six minute walk from the main campus three utterly unrelated conversations do you see what I mean about God, last year God brought about these relationships which this year I think he's going to use to conceive something which then next year will be birthed into something into 2018 um, to see some students reached. Now Mick wants to do it for October this year, but me, man of little faith, thinks it should be 2018. So God will do it in March, won't he? Anyway. Right. So, so there's that. So I'm, I'm really intrigued and thrilled and I have a million questions about that. Um, Second is the new Beacon Centre, so over the last month, some of you have read about this in the local press, so the, oh you can't see it now, If, if the curtain thingies were open then you'd see the university just through there, the old university campus closed down about a year ago, all boarded off, fenced off, that's now formally been announced as being bought by a Chinese educational institute and uh, staff arrive in April, first students arrive in September, um, and over the next two years it will be filled with about six thousand, sixteen to 25-year-olds. Uh, 4,000-ish will come from China, 2,000-ish will be places offered to local um, young people here in, in Stafford. How remarkable is that, isn't it? It gets even better. That's being done in partnership with Staffordshire University and the Chinese Institute contacted Staffordshire University about a whole bunch of things, one of which was their requirement to offer pastoral and chaplaincy support and the university said, the people you need to subcontract that to is Beacon Church. And so, I've had two conversations with Dr. Lau in China, who arrives in April, um, talking about whether that is in fact something we could do. And, and at the moment, she's simply saying, um, we'll give you a wadge of money, and uh, as long as you're offering the kind of uh, pastoral support, um, we have no worries about that being delivered in a distinctly Christian manner and Christian way. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? Now we must be careful not to be distracted. This, this is a good thing. It might not be our thing. So I'm being—we're re- trying to be really level-headed here. But what an opening that would be, especially within the context that Thursday evenings we have this wonderful Chinese-speaking congregation that we've had for the best part of about ten years, ready and ripe to be filled with with more people. That would be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? So she, uh, Dr Lau arrives in April, um, and we've already got a meeting scheduled in April to talk to her um, about what that would uh, possibly uh, look like. But it's worth praying into um, because um, the finances we're talking about, of that subcontraction, would almost double our annual budget in one go. So, so we need to just be aware of, of what we're talking about in terms of opportunity and responsibility, um, just so you know. Everything inside of me is going to be... <laughs> <on>. Right, number three on the right hand side, the Heber Partnership. We've talked about this uh, for quite a long time. So Heber stands for uh, the Heart of England Baptist Association. Uh, So we are part of a national body called the Baptist Union separated into regional associations. Our local one is called Heber, the Heart of England uh, Baptist Association. It's about 177 churches of which there are a number in Staffordshire and uh, through a a various journey and conversations um, on uh, January 23rd, Chris and Lawrence very kindly, our elders, have taken a annual leave. Um, Chris Lawrence and I are going down to the headquarters in Birmingham uh, for a conversation with the senior regional ministers uh, and I think the chair of their trustees as well about a street strategic par- partnership where uh, uh, up to possibly six churches in Staffordshire which have reached a point in their in their journey where they're really struggling, uh, very small, um, looking at the point of closing down and whether actually HEBA would resource that for them to incorpor- incorporate formally and become part of Beacon and we no longer were just a, a church serving and with a mission for Staffordshire but actually had a responsibility for Staffordshire with three, four, five, six other locations across Staffordshire um, that we would then would be part of all us as a church. There we go. Gimdi in Nepal. Uh, so um, uh, the, another team go out to Gimdi in the pool in May, June uh, this year which is fantastic. I think there's ten of us on that team um, uh, the, the new Smile Children's Home now is above ground uh, and should open in September-October time, so that's fantastic to see how God has, has, has done that. Um, we're looking to sponsor 20 of the poorest children in Gimdi. We've still got four children needing sponsors, so if you could afford £12 a month, which gives a child their education, a hot meal a day, three sets of clothes and all their school books and bags, uh, for a year, £12 a month. I'd love to be able to say to, to Naraj that we can sponsor the full 20 So I just need f- four more folk who might be willing to do that. That would be amazing. Um, uh, and this weekend, uh, Naraj has gone back up to Gimli, which is about seven uh, hours from Kathmandu, uh, to meet with uh, the school head teacher, the, the trustee of the school, the mayor of the, of the region. And a couple of other strategic people um, to finalise details of either in October or January, we do a government-sanctioned mission trip. So, amazingly, in a country where you're not allowed to teach children about Jesus, amazingly, we have got formal government permission to do that. That's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. So, Narasj has a string of meetings doing that. Um, This is a place where Narasj is the only Christian from that location, the only Christian from that location. And we're praying about the incredible privilege to be used by God to serve and Vidya, to see a church planted there for the very first time. I mean, that would be absolutely, absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? And one of the things that has stirred me most fully is a month or two ago, I had a conversation from someone who's not part of our church, who had heard about what was going on in Gimdi, and they'd come in to some money and they'd said, "We've just set aside forty thousand pounds. When you need to build a church building in Gindi come and tell us, and it's yours." Aww. It's God's work, isn't it? It is God's work. Um, and then, lastly, Burley Fields. Just have interest. Hand up if you know what I mean by Burley Fields. I'm just interested to know who knows Burley Fields. Excellent. So Burley Fields. Some of you will know, you just don't know by that name. Stafford, very unusually for a town our size, has two huge new housing developments, both happening at the same time. So Marsden Grange, which will be a, a now is going to be about 3,700. It's had another 500 houses agreed, so it's now 3,700 is a c- couple of years ahead. We've talked about that with Kevin and Wendy. Brilliant, fantastic. Burley Fields is, um, lots of people call it the Castle Fields Estate, but that's not what it's going to be called. It's going to be called Burley Fields. So you have the Doxy Road here. You have the road with the castle going up here. You have the motorway going here. I did a geography degree can you believe that, there you go, right, Burley Fields is those fields behind the castle, up from Doxy, behind the castle, up to the motorway, the golf course isn't being built on, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> not the golf course, but behind the golf course that's behind the castle, from Doxy up to the motorway, that stretch up there is 4,200 houses, 4, 12 to 15,000 people. So we've got almost 4,000 happening over here. We've got over 4,000 happening on the other side of town. Now, uh, initially, because of our experience with Marston Grange, um, I spoke to the churches around it and just said, "Look, you know, we've got a couple of years' experience here. This is something you could do on your side of town. Um, should we, you know, should we go for it?" Um, and there's a wonderful meeting happening on uh, January 17th between Philip Sawbuts, who's the Rector of Castle Church, Martin Strand, who's the rector of the Anglican Church in Doxey, they're two Anglicans, uh, Donovan Haslam, who is the uh, part time pastor of uh, the black majority church uh, that's out there, the Renewal Centre Church, um, and myself, um, to talk about uh, what that might look like and, and how that might uh, work and, and how it might happen. Um, amazingly, God has actually already provided what is about half the finances to buy a house for that, if we as a church felt that was right for us to do. So again, God's hand is is on that. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? That's without an ask, that's without a sense of, is this us? That's with no kind of, yeah, God is just kind of, you know, moving things forward. So they're things that we're praying about God conceiving. So planning, we want to do everything we can to see God birth them. Praying, everything we, we can to see God God, conceive them, ready for next year. Reach people, grow disciples, plant churches, and then do it again. That's the strategy, isn't it? Reach people, grow disciples, plant church, do it again. Reach people, grow disciples, plant church, do it again. Now, if you're like me and you've been around church for a little while, you know that this is not normal church in the UK, is it? You you, you know that, don't you? Like, this is not... Our weekly attendance is about three times bigger than it was three years ago. That's not normal church in the UK, is it? Um, I think we have a couple of options. Um, Option number one is to be too British about it and go all pessimistic and... Bubble will pop, won't it? And it will all go wrong, and don't get too excited, and all that kind of thing, isn't it? I, I don't think we should do that. <laughs> I think we should keep our heads. I think we should keep our heads. Do you know this little ditty? This life will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. I turned 40 this year. And it's, it's so hard to do. And part of me doesn't want to waste a good midlife crisis, which I'm sure will be around for you. But it has made me reflect a little bit, because I'll be honest. Being 20 doesn't seem 20 years ago, it seems like yesterday. And and any of you who are 60 or 80, you say the same thing, don't you? Like that, doesn't it? The Bible says, it's like a vapour, the Bible says. Our life is like a vapour, a vapour. I don't want to wake up one day and be left wondering what God would have done if I just trusted more and tried harder. I don't want to be one of those people who says, "I I wasted it, I wasted it, I wasted it. Just talking personally with the vocation I have, I would rather try and fail at this than succeed at almost anything else, almost anything else. I, I'm so, so committed to this vision of church and to this church, so committed to it. Because I whole this isn't scripted now. I, I wholeheartedly believe that God is moving in us in such a way, not just to reach potentially thousands of people with the great good news of Jesus over the next ten years, but to create an entirely new model of how church works to actually reach a nation for Jesus. Because it's one church it's these intimate, small, courageous congregations, constantly multiplying, constantly changing, and an amazing group of people, that's you guys, ready to sacrifice, give up preferences, go small to go big, to see the kingdom grow in Staffordshire. I was at a conference a, a, a week or two before Christmas, I can't remember. And there was a minister there who was 67. It was his last year before he retired of of, Muckley Baptist Church down in Plymouth. And he pulled me aside and he said, Alex, John Wesley used to pray to God, give me England or I'll die. And he said, Alex, I don't think you should pray that. (laughs) But he said, Alex, I think you should pray to God, give me Staffordshire. He said, Alex, I think you should tell your church to pray, give us Staffordshire, not just us, there's a million churches, a thousand churches, we'll do it in partnership. And he said, why don't you pray for 5% of Staffordshire to be reached by your church, for God to use your church to reach 5% of Staffordshire. I went, all right. Then I Googled (laughs) (laughs) the population of Staffordshire. Go and have a guess what 5%. Someone yell out a Five per cent at Staffordshire. Half a million. Five per cent at Staffordshire is half a million. No, 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 no. That, that would if God used us to reach five per cent of Staffordshire. This is an audacious prayer. I'm trying not to say it. Can you tell? Right? That's a church of forty two and a half thousand people. But that would be worth giving a life to, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? That would be worth giving a life to. To look your children in the eye and say, whatever else I was or whatever else I did, I put myself in the way of God, using me to reach 42,000 people. But I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. And imagine the look in Jesus' eyes when you walk through the pearly gates. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, for it is your love and faithfulness which has stretched across the nations. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray with John the Baptist that we may decrease so you may increase. I pray that in 2017, as a community, as your church here, we might be used to do remarkable and amazing things by you in such a way that none of us would have the arrogance to even suggest it is not to your glory and for the fame of your name. We pray that you'd rest your hand upon all that we think you are calling us to plan to do this year, the movement of this Sunday morning into two meetings, the movement of a weekly meeting on Marsden Grange, of a Sunday meeting on the Highfields estate, of the evolution of Sunday afternoon. And Father, we pray that you might conceive this year even greater things. We dare to believe that for those of us who are still standing and alive, we might gather together in ten years' time, And know that we have been used by God to plant 50 odd churches, maybe. And that you might move in such a way that just 5%, 5%, so that's 95% of people still going to hell. But we pray for 5%. Give us 5% of Staffordshire. For your fame and for your glory, and for your honour, because this life will soon be past, and only what is done for Christ will last. Amen. This is what we're going to do now.